Own Your Creativity, Episode 22. Once you've got the critic sitting there, it's really hard to um, move away from it and be free or flexible or make mistakes. Mistakes! You know, being creative is about making mistakes or having the freedom to make a mistake. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Today is day three of the Summer Solstice Online Writing Challenge that I'm hosting on Facebook, and we're having a blast. If you weren't able to join us this time around, I hope you can the next time. In the meantime, I've made a little video for you to kickstart your creativity. You can find it at bit.ly forward slash OYC1, bit.ly forward slash OYC1, and no sign up is required. Today I welcome Cheryl Svensson to the Own Your Creativity podcast. I met her three years ago when I took the guided autobiography certification program that she created and has taught since 2009. It's a live interactive internet webinar training course to teach students worldwide how to become guided autobiography instructors. During the course I took with Cheryl, she was a wealth of information on the connection between creativity and writing, and with her gentle and generous spirit made the online learning experience one of warmth and real community. She has been involved in the field of aging since she graduated from the first Master's in Gerontology program at the University of Southern California in 1977, and later completed her PhD at the University of Lund, Sweden. Cheryl has worked closely with Dr. James Beeren, founding dean of the Davis School of Gerontology at USC, and was the director of the Beeren Center for Autobiographical Studies, www.guidedautobiography.com. This is an organization dedicated to research and developing programs to help older adults to write their life stories. She currently lives in Southern California, teaches at USC, and has taught guided autobiography at UCLA and several universities, libraries, and senior and assisted living centers. She is the co-author with Richard Campbell of the book, Writing Your Legacy, the step-by-step guide to crafting your life story, which came out in 2015. And so, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us today. And would you share with us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? who I am and what I do. Uh, My name is Cheryl Svensson. I am a doctoral student. I'm not a doctoral student. I'm a doctorate actually in psychology. I'm a gerontologist. I've been working in the field of aging since since the 1970s. And since about 15, 16 years ago, I've been working in a a program called Guided Autobiography, which helps older adults write their life stories. And working with my mentor and um, close colleague, Jim, Dr. Jim Beeren, who just died this January at the age of 97 and a half. So I've been teaching people how to write their life stories um, for many years. And now for the last six years, I've been teaching them online instructors all over the world. So I now have 300 people as just as you, Elizabeth, uh, located across the world from Portugal to Germany and France who are out there teaching others in their community um, how to write their life story. And how did you get into the field of gerontology? 
Um, actually, my first job with a BA in psychology was as a social work assistant in a nursing home. And I got into this nursing home and I realized that it was like putting on band-aids. You know, the administration was paying me to um, make the family happy, to make the patients happy and to help them make money. And the patients were miserable being there and the family was guilty for putting them there. And I heard about um, at that time, University of Southern California had a brand new program out called the Master's Degree in Gerontology, which was the first in the nation. And so I applied on a on a prayer because I had no money, and USC is the, now the most expensive school in the nation. And um, I got accepted, so I saved my money for one class, which as a working in a nursing home and waitressing on the weekends was about all I could afford. And I got a scholarship and finished the degree and fell in love with the field and never looked back. Wow, that's so inspiring. When you're really motivated to do something, there's a way. Yeah, you know, you just put it out there in the universe. And if it's the right thing, it will, um, ways will open up. But really, I had no idea how I was going to pay for it at all. I just knew it was something, it was a dream. And uh, I got it. And how did you come across Dr. Byrne and what he does? He, Dr. Byrne was, is was the founding dean of the School of Gerontology at USC. So he was the acting dean of the school when I applied and was accepted and finished the program. And I was in the very first Master of Gerontology program in the entire United States because it was the first program ever. And that was way back in 1977. So I've been doing this for quite a while. So what's your definition of creativity? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, even thinking about it makes me, gives me a knot in my stomach. You know, how do you explain creativity? Creativity basically is um, taking uh, old things or regular things that you always see and putting them together in a new way, looking at them differently, creating something new out of uh, what everybody else sees as limited in scope. In other words, um, you know, here's this cup. Well, this cup is a cup that that's what you take and you drink your coffee out of. And that's, that's as far as it goes. You don't see past that. You don't see that it could be broken up and made into a mosaic or that you could take it and, you know, put your pencils in it or you could think of other ways to uh, use a cup. So, um, but I think really for me, it's, and it's not just about making things. I mean, you could be creative in the kitchen. You know, you could find it, you, you're out of one ingredient for a recipe and you could find something else to replace that and come up with a brand new concoction that, you know, is beyond your wildest. Uh, so it's, it's not only making things, it's about seeing connections and, and connecting people and ideas and relationships and putting it out there to the universe and not being limited uh, to what's the black and white of what's right in front of you. And you were saying earlier when we were uh, talking before that that for you, you like to c connect people. And is that an example of your creativity or how it manifests in your life? Absolutely. It's probably one of the best ones. And, you know, it's crazy because I, I meet a lot of people, you know, even in my classes, and I get to know them in, a, um, in an in-depth way because I know their stories and I hear their stories. But um, I don't forget it. I don't forget the stories. I'll forget where I put my glasses or, you know, where my phone is. You know, okay, where did I put my phone down? But the stories that somebody tells me, it somehow stays in my mind. And I can make connections between people that they've never met. Like I think, Elizabeth, you took the class like two or three years ago now. It's been quite a while. Uh, with somebody that, 
you know, that took the class four years ago, um, that lives in another part of the, you know, the United States and, um, remember things about their stories or what they said and how it worked out and, and connect people that way. So yeah, no, that's, I think, I think that is creativity. Has there ever been a time in your life where you weren't connected to some kind of creative energy? And how was that for you? Um, well, I remember glancing over the questions, and I don't remember, I don't think it was phrased exactly like that, but it, but it came immediately to my mind. I was asked to co-lead a guided autobiography class with a friend out of UCLA, and because she had too many students and needed to break it up into smaller groups. And so I agreed to do it, made the, and it was a, quite a trip for me to get up there, made the trip up. Anyway, um, she was, it was her class, so she was the number one leader, and I was the co-leader. It, it got to the point where I wasn't allowed. She asked me, I mean, to me, making connections is listening to what people say. And then that's a springboard to move on to another part of the conversation or to connect that idea that somebody over here said with something that I know or somebody else in the other class said before. And she wanted, she had a hard time with that because she followed it, a schedule. She had an outline. So it got to the point where I couldn't say anything. I was supposed to give her an outline of what I wanted to talk about the week before the class. So to me, that was the most uncreative and unfulfilling thing I've ever in my life done because there was, I was following a script. It was, it was laid out for me. It was coded. Finally, I, I said, you know, Linda, it's been great, you know, but I, there's, you know, I'd rather be your friend than I'll never teach with you again. I mean, it just, it just didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> but you're still friends. <laughs> still friends. Yeah. Friends. Wow. Never, never you. Yeah. No, oh yeah. I could, I could see that. So for you, creativity has something to do with spontaneity. Flexibility, freedom. There was no flexibility in that class. There was no way for me to be spontaneous in any way. Yes. Yeah, so freedom, flexibility, those are all parts of uh, creativity. And the uh, guided autobiography that that you um, teach now, and that and you're, are you teaching it, but also doing the um, certification program, or you just do the certification no. program now? Uh, I'm only doing the certification program now, especially when I'm here in Sweden, because you know I use it online. But it's it's a there's a guided autobiography class embedded in that because everybody writes their stories as you know and the last hour is they're reading their stories so i have the best of both worlds you know i have the guided autobiography class and i'm training people um all over to go out and as dr Biren would say you know spread the word about guided autobiography what's the best thing about doing guided autobiography in the certification courses that you do um hearing the stories and watching the people grow because people, you know, and I think that's, I think I'm a better, um, let's call me my uh, cheerleader. I mean, I, I, it's easier for me to see other people's creativity than for me to see my own. I mean, like I told you, I have a, a bachelor of fine arts in drawing and painting. You know, I, I've paint, I've done printmaking. I have all of these things, but it's easier for me to see other people and to motivate them and I get to see that in guided autobiography because I see them change. I see them grow and become so much more, you know, from starting out with the first story that they read and they're so timid and all of us are naturally afraid of, you know, is, is this the right way to do it? You know, am I, 
Am I saying too much? Am I saying too little? You know, uh, is everybody going to accept me? To watching them just kind of blossom and go out in the world and do new and great things. And what is what do you get out of it personally, though? I know you help other people, but what does it it's, feed in you? It's, it's a, what does it feed in me? Oh, I make some of the best friends. It, it's just, it's like anything. If you, if you, um, you know, watch your kids grow. Not that my students are my kids, but it's just such a good feeling to see people become empowered. And it empowers you to see that happen. Um, and it's not a, um, sometimes, you know, like if you're in a painting class, everybody's looking at everybody else's paintings and you're, you're, you're not judging, but you're comparing. There's no comparison. It's, a, it's an empowering thing for everybody involved. And there's no, because everybody is your own unique person, you know, and so nobody's going to write your story because it's your story. So nobody can do it better than you. I don't know how to explain it any different, but it's, it's just, it's an empowering moment to, to watch it happen in other people. And it, you know, it just, it's, um, it's addictive. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, I don't even know how, I mean, it sounds terrible to say that, but in a good way, it's addictive in a good way. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I started uh, doing life writing with seniors before I took your certification right. and, uh, and I just loved it. And I thought, you know, let's get certified and, you know, official yeah. <laughs> as well. And that's why it went, led me to take the, the course with you. But, um, but I don't know what it was that one day I just woke up and I decided I wanted to work with seniors. Right. And as soon as I did, it was, it was addictive for me. It's so lovely to see people who are ready to explore things. I think that um, uh, oftentimes seniors have um, less inhibitions, you know, they're retired, or they just want to explore things. And so they're willing to, to go somewhere whereas maybe younger people are too worried about other things to, to actually engage with that. And so I just love it. And also what's so neat is that, you know, I'll give a prompt and everybody has the same prompt, but they come out with amazingly different things. It's because they're each their own unique individual person. You know, they have their own perspective on it. I think even if like Jim Beeren said, even if you had identical twins, you know, their stories with each one of them would be different. No, it, it's a, it's amazing. Um, I'm glad to know there's somebody else addicted to it besides me. And <laughs> and I think older adult. I mean, I love kids too. It's not that you know. In in my class at USC, that the class ranged in age from 20 to 85 because I took four credit students with retired faculty and and combined them. Uh, it's it younger people are busy. They're just so focused. You know, they've got blinders on. And older people, they realize that they don't have much time left. Um, and they, or less time left than what they had, you know, what they thought they had. And so they need to make the most of their time. And so they're willing maybe to take more chances or to explore more or to try new things. And so that maybe some of their inhibitions are, are lowered in that case. I don't know, but, um, they're, they're just a gift. And, and also they have, they, you see them empowered the same way you'd see a young student or maybe even more so because they're old. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that I found so interesting in taking your certification course was all of the studies that that we read that supported the health and well-being benefits of writing your story. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I think James Pennebaker um, out of the University of Texas, Austin, was the first one to start doing that. And he wrote a book called, um, I think it was The Broken Heart. 
And he did uh, research with students, you know, psychology students and those that wrote, you know, those that wrote just random things or those that wrote about a personal um, uh, difficult time in their lives. There was differences in the writing in the number of times that they went to the health center, you know, during that semester or the following semester. So he's written two or three books after that on it. The other one who comes to mind is Gene Cohen, who is now deceased, but he really started creativity and aging. I mean, he has a whole National Center for Creativity and Aging uh, that he founded and has written several books on it. But he's done research that actually shows that there's changes um, in the cellular level, you know, in the bodies of those who have done. And it's not just writing. It could be dancing, singing, you know, any type of creative movement, painting, whatever it is, you know, that those people have uh, better health. Yeah, I the uh, the articles we read by by him, I just found them so encouraging and um, and really that they supported what I already knew intuitively. But yeah. you know, to have it in you know a scientific objective study that mm-hmm. I I found that that was really wonderful to uh, to confirm. Yeah, to, right. to confirm no, what we that, already know. That's that's the thing with. Uh, you know, any type of research or, or any type of program. We, we all know, all of us who teach classes like this, we can look at our students and know intuitively how good it is for them. But to have some type of research that proves it, you know, is what we're all looking for. And uh, there's still more to be done in that field, that's for sure. So how can people connect to, to your GAB uh, certification program? Well, they can, uh, there's a website, uh, guidedautobiography.com. They can go there and find out, you know, how to get in touch with me, see what there, what there is on the website that would interest them. There's a lot of, uh, articles and, and things that Dr. Beeren has written that are available on the website, different links. Uh, he has a DVD that he put together for people that wanted to write their life story at home on their own. I personally feel that part of the power, a lot of the power of the class is the fact that you're relating to other people. You know, we talked a little bit about this. Um, You were online, but still, you know, um, having people in a real class, as you know, since you teach it and across from one another where they can go have coffee afterwards or, or make those connections is an important feature of it. But, um, so the, the link is there, talks about the classes, um, all right, thank you. And you wrote a book, didn't you, or a new yes, book that yes. came out? Yeah. Yes, I did. I do even have it here. Writing Your Legacy. Hang on a second. I've got to get the exact title. Writing Your Legacy, the step-by-step guide to crafting your life story. And I wrote it with uh, Richard Campbell, who also was a GAB student. He took the certification course about four years ago. Uh, he's Canadian, out of Toronto. And um, it's... It, is meant to use the same basis of the life themes as guided autobiography, but it's, it's an, on an individual basis. So it's for you to pick up or somebody, you know, one of your students to pick up and say, yeah, you know, I want to keep writing, you know, so I'm going to go through this and use these different, there's 25 new themes that are added. And, and also it tells you how to um, put it together into a book if you so desire to put it into a book. Lovely. Writing your legacy. Thank you. So we come to the um, end part of the interview where we have uh, just a short answer and questions. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, gosh. Follow your heart. 
you know, follow your heart. And if you could, if we could all just learn to trust our intuition and, you know, if I could get out of my way and stop second guessing it or overanalyzing it, you know, so if I would listen to my intuitive impulses more frequently, I think that would be, that's probably the best advice I got. And share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success. Well, personally, I have to set myself away, not lock myself into a room, but uh, even if I'm going to paint, you know, I have to, to okay, say, okay, I'm leaving this space where all of the things that are around me that I need to do are looking at me and go over here, which is a room where all I have are my paints and palettes and, you know, the motifs, et cetera, and I'm going to sit down and paint. Or if I'm going to really write, I go to the library. What better place to write than where all of these great works of literary, you know, um, have been stored you know, and plus everybody else that's there is also doing the same thing they're studying. So I guess for me, I need to focus and that helps me focus. And what person inspires you to be creative? I don't know that there is one person. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't think there is one person. And in fact, now I'm just thinking about it right now. It's my grandkids. Uh, and they're they're coming here to visit in 10 days, and they are 6 and 8. And I'll tell you, there's not a dull moment. I mean, they they can – kids, kids, kids are inspiring. Kids, kids are creative naturally. We're the one that puts limits on them and teaches them how to not be creative. But I think if you can get to a child, that's the best way. Yeah, that's something that I say to my students that writing – and creativity is play. It is about getting back to just seeing how it works and not being attached to the results. You know, and kids are like that. Right. They just right. are so in, uh, uninhibited. That's because you're still learning. But see, we, we, when you tell your class, or even if you were telling me that right now, I'd go, oh, yes, but I remember my English. I was in accelerated English, and I remember Miss Lindy, and I remember, you know, all of the instructions they gave us about diagramming sentences and how to use this and how to use it. It all gets in the way of it. It, you know, it puts that critic up there, and once you've got the critic sitting there, it's really hard to um, move away from it and be free or flexible or make mistakes. Mistakes, you know, being creative is about making mistakes or having the freedom to make a mistake. So what's your favorite work of art? It can be any type of art. I happen to love Van Gogh, and I, I'm not sure why. I even had a, you know, a, a moment of utter ecstasy the first time, like 40 years ago, when I saw um, a, Van, a huge Van Gogh book in the library, you know, one of the books that are reference books that you can't check out. So I'm looking at this painting. Um, something about it, the color, his brushwork, um, and then reading about his life and his story, going to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. No, I would, I would say Van Gogh. And I remember telling my art teacher that, and he says, yeah, but do you think, really think you'd want Van Gogh to come for dinner? You know, he was, he was a bit of a maniac. You know, he was a wild man, you know, getting into arguments, have, cutting off his ear. I, he says, do you really want him in your house? I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the show. It was lovely to talk to you, and uh, I hope you have a lovely time with your grandkids next oh, week. Oh, I will. I just loved what Cheryl said about kids and how they haven't finished learning yet and so that's why they're not afraid to make mistakes. Think about when you were in that state. Think about the children you know or have known who were fearless in that regard with their creativity and exploring. Let that be one of the takeaways today. 
the idea of you as a fearless creator, just like when you were a child. Until next time, own your creativity.